Amen. Thank you, brother. How you doing, saints? You can have that. I said, how you doing, saints? Praise the Lord. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I've kind of passed through this way, too. I, I, I feel an overseer is kind of like a traffic cop. He pulls you over, or an umpire that throws a flag on the play. So you guys are on the field, and just, um, I really count it a quite an honor. I was thinking about that on the way here today, that all the years that I've pastored, it, it um, seems like... So I'm going to today invite up Dan Tabal, and I just want to... Churches. Um, Dan, and, would you uh, mind coming up? Uh, you know, there's this, things going on in your life mind, right now, especially planned, right? young people. <laughs> um, so if, for those of you who don't know, Dan is our overseer, one, Dan one is a pastor, Dan's a lot of us been a church planter, older, um, and uh, overseer may not really mean a lot all the to effort, some folks, but I just want to say that, just to simplify it, really, he seeks God on behalf of our church, and so today he's here to share a word from God for us, and so I'm going to just pray for him, and then we will hand it over. But I play basketball. Dan, thanks and, for know, his honestly, presence here today. Thank, thank you, really Lord, for your presence in his life. I pray God that you would speak through him. Lord, we would have ears that are open, and, and he so would now have a mouth that is ready to speak the words life, that you I'm have trying shared. To, uh, we came that, here, God, because uh, we want to grow in you, we want to hear from you, we want to know more about building you, and so we pray today that, on right now in that your life. Um, you would just have your way that in that each of us. That is actually going to lead you to the in next Jesus step, name. and foundation for what God wants to do is really important that you apply yourself right now, whether it's even learning how to treat a young lady, or how to treat a young man, uh, how to date, how to have accountability. I, I would even say something that, um, that uh, I just realized uh, just recently, I was asked to, um, to go to North Carolina. I'm going, I think it's uh, April. I'm not sure when I'm going, but one of the things they're having me do is speak to the youth. And uh, as I've been pastoring and as I've been a dad and talking to young people, one of the things I've realized is that when you're a teenager, especially if you haven't had any disasters happening, and I praise God if you haven't, you're trying to figure out What's all this change going on and all these feelings that are going on in your life? And um, God forbid that you would have a traumatic event like maybe lose a parent or a friend um, or even a breakup of a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you thought you were in love with. And that's pretty devastating when you're a teenager. But you don't know how to ride the horse. You don't know how to deal with your emotions and your feelings. And so this word is for the young people here. You know, the principle in the scripture of mentoring and discipleship and having a relationship with your father or maybe if your father's not there, a brother that you respect, someone that you can learn to begin to express your feelings with, to cry with, to pray with. And I just want to encourage you. I think it's a real, a real spiritual principle for the younger women to learn from the older women and the younger men to learn from the older men. Uh, but you guys, you, you young people, you have to open yourself up to that. And also, I think us that are older, we have to open ourselves up to be available for them. So that was just a commercial. I just thought I'd throw that in. Amen. <laughs> so I'd like you to turn to a very familiar uh, psalm, Psalm 23 this morning. And um, we're going to look at a, the whole psalm, but we're, actually we're going to concentrate on one verse he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Several weeks ago, I've been walking with Jesus now for since I was 19. And, you know, I went through the struggles of developing a, a prayer time, developing a time reading the word um, every day and struggle with that, but never, never stopped the race, always got back up. And, and these days now my, my children are all gone, so I actually get a couple hours quiet time in the morning. Don't you like that, older, older folks? Quiet time? Some of you don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, but trying to recognize the voice of the Lord and even what we say, you know, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, I'm beginning to realize that we say a lot of crazy things, and, and we understand the language in the church, but you have to understand people are listening. They think we're hearing voices all the time. 
you know, and, and they want to send us to Augensburg. But we are, as sheep, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And I've never had God speak to me in the here and now with an audible voice. I've had it happen in dreams. But God speaks a lot of different ways, doesn't he? He speaks through impressions. He speaks through situations. In fact, I, I'm dealing with a couple of young men right now. One of, one of them actually comes from a very solid family, and um, he's lost his faith. He read something about atheism, and somehow it latched on to him, and he's decided he's an atheist. He's pretty proud of it. I think it's, as the Bible says, it's very foolish to, to not believe in God. I mean, where did all this come from? God is awesome. And, and so I, I've been writing letters to him. I call them letters to Josh. Not necessarily his name, but he's got all these questions. So I've been taking time and writing to him. And as I wrote, I, I was telling him the story about how I began to believe in God and how I began to understand that God spoke to us through his word. The night I got saved, um, I literally gave it up. I, I looked at the, all of creation had been speaking to me. Wind had been speaking to me. The rain had been speaking to me. Ever been moved by wind just blowing through your hair or hearing it going through the trees? Or you stand there at night and you look at the stars and there's just a longing. There's something that's just pulling you towards the creator of all of this. And that's where I was that night. And, and Literally, I said to the Lord, I don't know what your name is. I don't know if it's Jesus. I don't know if it's what I've been taught. But boy, there, there's something here that is so much bigger to me, and, and, and I feel you're pulling on me, and I just want to know you. And one of the things I shared with him was that later on down the road, I read in Romans that all creation speaks about God. That God's voice is in the wind. That God's voice is in situation. He's, he's in all of creation. And God showed me that he speaks to us through his word. And ultimately, his word is Jesus Christ. And so I've been asking the Lord many times when I go to bed, would you speak to me? Would you go for a walk with me? Would you be in my dreams tonight? And I've been waking up and having these impressions. And a couple weeks ago, I had this impression. I woke up. And immediately, he restores my soul. And not only did it come as an impression on my heart, it came with, with a, uh, a duty that it's almost like, you know how the Lord can minister to you in one second? He can download a whole paragraph or a whole thought or a whole revelation. And in that one second, I realized that the Lord was, was speaking to my heart to take that message to churches. That God, the, the, your shepherd, is actually saying today, I want to restore you. I want to restore your soul. And so let's read Psalm 23. And there's so much about our shepherd here. And the Psalms are a great, great read always. But this is really a very unique Psalm in the midst of all the Psalms. If you are a farmer out there or I don't think we have any shepherds out here that raise sheep. That's pretty unusual for the north country. But the language here is not so much of a shepherd speaking to the sheep. It's the sheep speaking about his shepherd. Anybody proud of Jesus today? You know, I appreciate what you said a lot to, this morning, Donna, just going in and out about the awesomeness of God. And that's what, what David, and you'll find over and over in the Psalms, that God, God puts in this young man and this older man and this mid, midlife man and all of the different stages of David's life, he began to say, you are my God. I'm in trouble, but you are my God. You are my Lord. You are my high tower. You are the one that I trust in. And he boasts upon the the privilege of having that God in his life. You know, there's one big danger that we have in our generation right now, and it's distraction. We have TV, we have radio, we have DVDs, we have all kinds of things. You can't even get in an elevator without background noise. David had none of that. There was no transistor radio, there was no TV. All he had was all of creation, and he had the heritage of 
of a lifeline of Jehovah God in his life. And he learned as a young boy out, out in the fields all by himself to connect with this Creator. And it grew and it grew and it grew until every situation in his life, the first place he turned was not to a tape, not to a preacher, but to the Lord his God who had become his refuge and his strength. And I think today there's a real danger because there's so much information. You can instantly go on the internet and let the internet be your Holy Spirit. I got a question, Holy Spirit, and I'm going to punch into the web. When David and these men of God and the people that are in the Bible that saw miracles and the, the, the hand of God in such great ways that we still are in all of it, had none of that. All they had was the Lord, the Lord God, the Lord their shepherd. So here's a sheep bragging on the goodness of God, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and here's our verse today. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For You are with me and Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this was written by a sheep, but also by a sheep that was a shepherd, that was a good shepherd. And he understood all this stuff that, um, that he was talking about. And every, in other words, there was always a reference deep within him when he said, the Lord restores my soul. He was talking about something that he had done as a shepherd, and somehow he was able to bring that into his life. You know, that's what makes we talked about, we sang about this morning, living, the living God. Not the God of history, but the living God that I had coffee with this morning. The living God that was with me yesterday. The living God that walked through situation after situation in the last week. The living God that came into my life and just started restoring and started messing with me in a good way and starting putting my life together. An active God. And it's so wonderful when, when God opens your eyes and you understand that God isn't just a historical God, a God of just stories, but the Bible actually says He's the Lord Yah, which means He's the present God. He's, he's the God that's with us right now in our situation. Some of you are in situations right now, and the Lord's watching to see how you're going to respond. He's watching you because He knows you. And He wants you to, to stop responding the way your soul would respond without Him. And you would actually declare, Lord, lead me in your paths of righteousness. Instead of getting angry, Lord, teach me patience. Instead of not believing, Lord, let me trust through it. Again, in worship this morning, we were talking about the, the, that God overcomes evil with good. And I think every one of us would, would note right now that politically and culturally, there is a big basket of evil. But what I got encouraged about during worship this morning is that He's going to take that, and He's going to take that big basket of evil, and if, if people will put on Christ and walk through it with Christ, He will take that big thing that's coming at us and turn it right back on the enemy. You know, the cross was a big thing. The death of Jesus was a big thing. And it saved every one of us. So have some hope right now. Put on Christ. Don't walk like the world. Don't have the conversation of the world. But walk with Jesus. So do you have bragging rights today? You know, one of the things about a pastor that I don't particularly like, but it comes with a job, is funerals. And as I get older, more and more of my friends are passing on. But the, the great thing when you do a funeral and you know the person was a Christian, I, I always come, I want to talk about my brother's bragging rights. The Lord was his shepherd, and he walked with him, and he has a confidence and so forth. So 
that bragging right that we have, this, this thing, even the book of Psalms itself is such a treasure. Young people, if you, you know, sometimes you, you, you're, you have is ADD, attention deficit. I think we all have that a little bit. And especially because everything happens within 20 minutes, see? So we've been trained that way. But Psalms is a great thing where you can open it up. And the thing that, that's amazing to me um, about Psalms is someone that lived thousands of years ago that has the same struggles that I have. You know, I remember, I was thinking about this on the way up, that um, up in my mom's attic we found some, some letters that her sons had in, were in World War II and they had written to mom or written to their girlfriends. And so it's just fascinating to see the inner thoughts of people that you don't really know but you know that you're related to. And when you look into the Psalms and you begin to read the Psalms of God, you begin to see this man of God that we know about and all the drama that he went through. And it, you know, if you read long enough, you can find something that fits your situation. So sometimes when I'm really struggling and I just want to know what God is saying, first off, I just begin to read the Psalms until I find something that David went through or one of the other guys that went through that they're crying out, like, where are you? How long do I have to wait? Sometimes we don't even allow that in church, but it's in the Bible because this is a real life that he's living. David knew what it was to be deeply loved by God but go through terrible, terrible things. He knew about personal failure. He committed murder indirectly, but he did. He committed adultery. He lied. He cheated. This is someone that God says, this is a man after my own heart. Because what David did learn is he learned that God was merciful. That God's not up there ready to whop you as soon as you make a mistake. But God understands that we are like grass, that we're here one day and we're gone the next. And God will deal with you. If you'll come and humble yourself, no matter what's happened, God will be faithful, and you'll see the character of a supernatural being, a God that has created us and has created generation after generation and is so much higher than our lives and not a bit like we are in judgment. He actually declares this. He said, he said Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? That means anxious. I just feel unsettled. Why are you like that, soul? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. The help of my facial expression will come from God. Sometimes you can see the, the pain on somebody's face. But he says, I'm in pain right now, but you're going to, you're going to change my facial expression. You're going to touch me so deeply that I'm going to, my whole continence is going to change. I'm going to look at your continence and realize, hey, you got this. You're in control. You're not worried one bit, are you? And it's going to change the way I look at things. This thing about soul, about soul, I, I might be wrong with this. I, I've been thinking about this a lot this year, but... If you took my soul out and put it in this young man, it still would act just like Dan Tabal. My body is one thing, but my soul is the identity. It's the, the chemistry of who I am. You know, some of, some of you folks are drama queens and drama kings. There's certain things that, you know, God bless you ladies, but there's certain things that, that touch you and you just go berserk. And there's certain things that touch you guys and you go berserk. There's something called you. Nobody knows you like he knows you. In fact, he knows you and he knows your soul more than you know yourself because he created you. And just think about it because I know what happens to me. Just think about you for a minute. I'll let you do that. The you that no one knows like the Spirit of God knows, and no one knows your doubts, your fears, 
You ever get so upset you can't think about anything else? And sometimes it's a big thing and sometimes it's a little thing. Your soul is just all worked up. And so we find that David, as a shepherd, but also as a sheep, he says to God, my soul is all cast down. And what is he saying? He's talking about being cast down. So Jesus is our good shepherd. The Bible tells us that he's a shepherd to us, and he understands that we are like sheep. He didn't, he didn't compare us to a giraffe or a cow or a horse. He compares us to sheep. And throughout the whole Bible, he's called the shepherd of a sheep. He understands the, the vulnerability that you don't necessarily understand because of all the beings that are on the earth, I don't believe that we are, we are animals. I believe that we're a different type of creation. And we are so educated and we, we can build things and we can do things that no other animal can do on the earth. And we, we think that we're under, we have things under control until life really comes at you fast. And something happens and you realize you have no control at all. And that's why God says, you are my sheep. You don't realize how much danger you're in every day. And if I didn't take care of you, how the enemy would kill you. Right now, the Lord is protecting you. There's times you know he's protected you, but every moment of the day, he protects you. That's one of the reasons why Jesus got so upset when they came to him and said, show us a sign. And he said, only an evil and adulterous generation would ask for more from God. Every day he feeds you with his faithfulness. Every day he gives you rain. Every day you go through things and you don't know how you get through them. You think that you're going to financially crash. You think that you're emotionally going to lose your mind. You think that you'll never get through these situations. And here it goes, 65 years of, of walking with God in times where I break down and don't think I can go another day, but somehow I get through it because in the background I have a shepherd that's watching over me every moment of my day. He's with you. If there's a doubt right now, he would say, I'm with you. Behold, I'm with you always, even till the end of the earth. But the meaning of cast is what we're going to hit right now. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And that actually is an English term, it's a shepherd's term, and what it, it's about is that sheep can get themselves into real trouble, they'll lay down, and what happens is because they become so fat, they become so round, that what will happen is they will become cast, they'll roll over, and all of a sudden their feet will go up in the air, and they're on their back, and they can't get back on their feet. And David is saying, that happened to my soul. I got turned upside down and I'm laying on my back and my feet are up in the air and you have to come because no man can restore me back to a place of confidence. I need my shepherd to intervene. You restore my soul. That can happen to a Christian. If you've lived very long, uh, young people, I want to tell you, it's coming at you. Someday something's going to happen that's going to knock the feet right out from underneath you and you're, you're going to be, be hope you don't know what to do, don't know where to turn and the world will tell you to turn here and turn there and turn there but I want you to tell you that the shepherd and the sheep in this story is saying, I got cast. I became downcast. I became totally anxious and and confused, and I didn't know what to do. Why are you cast down, my soul? He's speaking to that, that person within him. He's speaking from knowledge that, listen, you're taking it too serious here. You need to turn back to God. You need to go back to Him, and He will help you. See, with this education and with all that we have here in America, we think we're pretty smart, and there's nothing more dangerous than somebody that thinks he knows it all. Someone that doesn't think they really need God to help them through. Someone that thinks they can handle life without the Lord. Very dangerous place. It says that, that knowledge puffs us up. 
but love will edify. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing the way he should know it. Paul said to the Corinthian church, be careful if you think you stand lest you fall. The best position for a sheep to be is right next to the shepherd, humbly walking in absolute dependence upon him, realizing that there's no strength, there's no might against the spiritual onslaught that can come on you. You're going to have to have the shepherd to walk with you. And he is that shepherd. See, when, when a sheep becomes cast, immediately it falls into some real danger. There's two major dangers. It's the in, internal danger where what happens is when they get turned upside down, the, um, the blood stops to flow to their legs and their legs become, become paralyzed and what happens is their vital organs begin to shut down and within hours they can die, at best within days. So you can get in that position and you are helpless and if God doesn't come to you in that moment or you don't turn to God in that moment, you can lose so much. The other danger is there's all kinds of predicals out there. You know, the Bible talks about our enemy, that he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Now we know that's the enemy, but he's like the wolf, he's like the coyote, he's like the mountain lion, he's like the bear that surrounded, even though we're in the, the flock of God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's enemies all around the flock of God. There's enemies all around you right now. And if, if the Lord doesn't protect you, you can get, you can get destroyed. If you become cast, if you become isolated, if you become hopeless, all of those things are in the atmosphere right now, guys. It's all over the place. You can get picked off. And so what happens is you're in that spot and the danger of you becoming like that is also in the heart of your shepherd. He understands the danger that you're in. And maybe what will happen is he'll get up in the morning, uh, I've heard that shepherds will do this, and the first thing they'll do is they'll step outside and they'll look to the sky to see if there's any vultures. Because if there's vultures circling back in the, the back 40, it could be one of my sheep has become cast, and they're just waiting for that sheep to become uh, disabled to the point where they can attack. And so what does the shepherd do? You know, I, um, I was brought up on a farm. Some of you were, but I don't know if you've ever had the delightful thing of a, of a cow putting his tail in the gutter and then slapping you across the face with it. It's such a wonderful wake-up thing. First thing in the morning when you haven't even had your coffee. Or um, you step in there and as soon as you're trying to milk them, there, there's certain cows that just are drama queens and they'll start to kick you for no what, whatever reason. And I, I've seen, honestly, some of my brothers <laughs> let loose on them and because we aren't really sanctified as farmers sometimes. But that's not what Jesus does. That's not, when he sees you in trouble, what does he do? He runs down, and, and I thought about this illustration where, where David said that a bear came after one of my sheep and a lion came after one of my sheep. And maybe, maybe what was happening was David saw that scene. He saw the vultures, or he saw a bear approaching the flock. He couldn't see it, but there was a sheep down there that was cast. And what did he do when he saw that the bear was beginning to approach you or me? He ran. He grabbed a stone. He got between the bear and you. And he says, I delivered. The, the zeal of the shepherd delivered that lamb. And he did that as a prophetic picture, again, of what the real shepherd will do when you're in so much trouble and the enemy's closing in on you every step. You can feel him, you can almost smell his breath coming and all of a sudden the shepherd comes in. And he kneels down. It's kind of a funny thing to think about. A sheep with his, on his back with his feet up in the air. It's funny unless you're the sheep. Okay? And what does he do? He runs over to that, to that lamb, to that sheep, and he begins to speak in two languages. He begins to speak 
in love and comfort and also correction. You ever had a crazy animal that just keeps getting in trouble? I mean, there are certain cows that we had, they just, a fence was something to be jumped on or jumped through. It was just, it's like, test me, you know? And they'd always seem to get into trouble. And so as, as we come, the shepherd comes to you, there's certain things that we do. There, there seems to be a word in my spirit about someone that's about to do something and God says, I know exactly what you're planning on doing. That's what you always do. But what I'm looking for you is to not go down the path that you always go on. Because another thing about sheep is they will wear a path out. They'll keep doing the same thing. It could be something as simple as you always, you're just getting worked up about something and you're about ready to do some violence. That's what you've always done. And the, and the shepherd's saying, I'm just watching to see if you're going to go down that same path or if you're going to finally let me show you a path of righteousness and go in a different direction. I don't know if that's for somebody here today, but it's for me. I'm always amazed when patience shows up. Any of you guys get impatient and never throw a hammer? Okay, I don't do it as much, but when I don't, brother, when I don't throw the hammer, I'm, it's almost like a miracle. I feel like God is real in my life. You know, or even the, the thing that I do a lot of times is I leave the tape measure in the house and I walk out to the saw. And so instead of guessing it, I turn around and I walk one step. I to, tell Joanne, it's, it's Mr. Patience walking with me. I'll come in sometimes and she'll say, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just working with Mr. Patience today. He's telling me to go get the screwdriver. He's telling me to go get this tool and just... Just the amazingness of not doing things the crazy way we used to do them all the time and slowing down. Anybody else have that kind of stuff happen to them? It's life in the spirit, guys. You know, It's not walking on clouds. It's walking with Jesus, and he's showing you the path of righteousness. He's showing you to pray about things. He's showing you to be kind about things. So the shepherd kneels down next to you, and he begins to say, you know, buddy, I told you not to come out here by yourself. And as he's doing it, he's rubbing the legs and he's getting the, the blood flow back in there. He says, you know, you always do this and I, it's just so dangerous out here. So he's talking lovingly and correctively all the time. And he turns the sheep over back on its feet and it's staggering around because that's what we'll do. And he's watching it until it gets its footing again. And then he gently guides it back into a place of safety with the flock. Could that even apply to your life? Could God be saying some things to you right now because of all this anxiousness that's going on? Of all that's going on around of us? Could he say to us, you guys are just reading too many books and not praying enough. You guys aren't waiting. You're going a lot of different paths that the world has established. Jesus said this, apart from me, you can't do anything. Are you apart from him? Has somehow our prosperity separated us from the connection that we have with the Lord? And is he calling his flock back to himself? I, I think that's very possible, don't you? Don't you? So Jesus is a great example of this. We see him with uh, Nicodemus. We see him with Zacchaeus. We see him with Mary and Martha. Probably one of the most moving times is we see him restoring Peter when Peter denied him three times. He, Peter said, I don't even know this guy. And maybe we've never said those words, but we've done things that literally, if somebody looked at you and said, is that how a Christian acts? You'd have to say, no, it's not. And so we denied him. And Jesus comes back to Peter at the end of the Gospel of John and in a very similar situation. And here's a, here's a key for you. Sometimes God will allow the thing to hit replay. And he'll take you back into the same situation so you can get it right. And Peter comes to him smelling the, the, the fire again. And Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter gets to say, you know, I love you. 
Peter, do you really love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? And Jesus restores his soul and restores him back to fellowship with the flock of God. So how, how do sheep become cast? Just, just three things I want to talk about. They're kind of funny. The first one is um, they're looking for the soft spot. Sheep will look for the soft spot. They'll look for that little groove where they can kind of lay down and their, their wool will kind of wrap them and they get all snugly. But what happens is they lay down and, it, and the soft spot itself begins to turn them and all of a sudden up with the feet and they're cast. Now I, I believe this church is pretty solid in what I would call cross-theology. But we have a very crossless theology today. We, we have what I would call a, um, a, a makeover theology where we're trying to make ourselves better and we're trying to do it by self-improvement and actually the only way that you can be met, made better is to die to yourself and live to God. You know, when God said, I'm going to give you a new heart, he didn't say, I'm going to clean up your old one. Your old heart is deceitfully wicked. And so if you try to clean yourself up apart from this new heart that God gives you, he's going to put a new nature in you and a new spirit, a new attitude within you, a, a, a nature that doesn't love sin but loves God. That's that nature that wants you, you're constantly struggling with this, Lord, I know I need to spend more time with you. I know I need to be a better person. I know I need to get into the Word more. That's that new nature that God has placed within you. But if you don't feed that nature and you continue to try to clean up the old nature, you're just going to be one frustrated sheep. But if you recognize that God has given you a gift, a supernatural gift that the Word of God says overcomes the world, and if you'll crucify yourself, if you'll die to yourself, the, 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 the amazing thing about Christianity, guys, is that there's no resurrection without a death. So if something's dying, let it go. On the other side of it, there's resurrection. You know, Peter said this. He said he was probably what I would call the first born-again Christian in the Bible because it, it says one day that that the people came to Jesus and said, uh, and Jesus said to them, who do men say that I am? I, I'm a little bit upset with the internet right now, so forgive me if I, I really take some shots at it, but I've seen so much division in the church and the body of Christ because people are going to the internet to get the word of the Lord. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Just go on the internet and you'll find out. They were all wrong. There's a relationship that you can have with God, not that you're going to be all by yourself, but there's a relationship that's so powerful with God that it causes your continence to change about life. When you spend time with the living God, the God of all creation, it will affect your day. It will affect where you work. It will cause you to rise above the undercurrents of this life. The internet will not do that. Somebody's book will not do that, but time with Jesus, time in His presence, anointing that comes from Him changes everything. So Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? And they said all the different things that they were saying about Jesus. And Peter said, uh, but he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, you are blessed, Peter, for flesh and blood and the internet did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. Now here is the interesting thing that takes place, guys. Listen to what I'm about to say. Peter's born again. He knows who Jesus is, and his thinking is completely wrong. So Jesus starts to say this. He said, now don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah. Why did he say that? Because the mentality of the Jews were that the Messiah would be a Roman Empire, he'd be a conquering king, and he would politically or militarily, sounds familiar, 
politically or militarily take over the world and bring Christianity in by force. He said, I, I can't yield to that. And he started talking to them about the cross. He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to betray me. They're going to uh, persecute me. They're going to beat me. And they're going to nail me to a cross. And you know what Peter said? That can't happen to you. And Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking the way God thinks. Why am I saying this? Because we can come up with an American package of Christianity. We can come up with the makeover concept. But Paul gloried in one thing. He said, God forbid that I would glory in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'll glory in one thing. I'm dying to myself. And if you start learning dying to myself, you can live to God. I know you really like this sermon, don't you guys? The second thing that happens to a sheep is they, they have too much wool. Wool represents the self-life, the self-thinking, your priorities, your preferences. It was interesting in the Old Testament that if you were a, a high priest, if you were a priest, you were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies if you had any wool on you. God doesn't want your preferences. God doesn't want to tolerate what you desire. He doesn't want your thinking. He wants to renew you so that you begin to think about the eternal being that you're supposed to be. So there can be too much woe. You can have a form of godliness, but no relationship, no power in it. Then the last thing is that basically the biggest problem is sheep just get too fat. We used to have a song that you guys never heard, Too Fat to Fly, Chubby Chubby, Way Too Fat. It's all Christians. American Christians are very fat. We have so much available to us. And you know what the shepherd will do? Because he understands if you get fat, you're going to roll on your back, and you're going to become cast, and you're going to become lunch. So I'm not going to let that happen, says the shepherd. So he looks at the flock, and he says, boy, you guys are really getting chunky. And uh, so uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change your grazing habits. I'm going to take you out of the plush field that you were in, and I'm going to take you to a drier field so that you lose some weight so that you don't become cast. I believe I could almost say, thus says the Lord, I could say this. I'm changing what is normal. I am changing where you're grazing. And I'm not going to allow you to graze on all of this fatness that's in the world right now. I want you to come to me. You know, it's a very interesting thing when Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. They will not follow a stranger's voice. And I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. Now, you guys that had been farming, anybody know what the word kabas means? Kabas. Yeah, I bet you do. I learned it from my grandfather. I thought it was actually a German word, but it's actually Latin. And so at night, what I would do is they would send me up the road, about 400 yards up the road, to get the cows. And so we'd go up there, and all the cows, we had probably about 30 head back then. That was used to be a big farm. They're all laying underneath these big maple trees. And Grandpa taught me to say, Kabas! And I would say that about three times, and they're all they're laying down, and all of a sudden, they'd all get up. And they don't understand English, by the way. I used to try to put different accents on it to see if it would work, you know. But basically, it's Kabas. And they understood that when they heard that signal, when they heard that voice, it meant it's time to be taken care of, and it's time to be milked. And they'd all rise up and they'd come to this little boy that said, Kabas. Let me read this statement so you can understand what I'm trying to say. Hearing the shepherd is not just an audible hearing. It is understanding what he means. 
Hearing his voice is not just knowing what he said. It is understanding what he meant. In short, the cows knew what I meant. Rise up. It's time to be taken care of. It's time to be fed. So I'm going to close this, this morning with a song that, uh, about the 23rd Psalm. And I just want to encourage you. I do feel that this is a message to God's people. He wants to restore your soul. If you're anxious, if that's where you're living, if you're, if you're cast and your soul is just so troubled, there's no answer other than moving close to the shepherd and letting him gently coach you and discipline you into a place of real closeness with him, making that the priority. Amen? Praise the Lord. I guess you could turn this one off, guys, and I'll grab this. I'm going to plug the guitar in. <coughs> Brace yourselves. I don't want to get into too much drama, but this song was given to my wife and I when we lost our second daughter. It was the beginning of our ministry, and there's so many things that was going on. Oh, Lord, Thou art a shield for me. And a strong and mighty tower. Teach me, Lord, to walk in thy love, to draw from thy power. And 
of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me in thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me, O Lord, you're my strength. They comfort me. Amen. Brother. I want to invite the worship team up, and we, we're going to close with a song, but I'm gonna, I want to just kind of highlight a couple of things that Deanne's message had so much truth. I... I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back and listen to it again, okay? Um, and a couple of things he mentioned that I just want to highlight. Um, he mentioned one specific thing with maybe to a person or a group or some people with a tendency towards violence. And if you feel like God might have been speaking to you through that, I would just encourage you to um, keep listening. Also about anger and then about being anxious. Um, and then being cast down, or even being apart from Christ. And then afterwards, I also just wrote, maybe you're in a struggle that you can't even quite define. Okay, so Jason mentioned in Sunday school that he doesn't like the word anxiety. And that's one of those things that we don't even know for sure what that is. If you're struggling with something that you just don't even know for sure what the struggle is, I would just challenge you, just like Dan did, call out to the shepherd. And then he also said at the very beginning, he mentioned to some, to some young people, find somebody where you can share your feelings, somebody who you might even cry with, find, or make yourself vulnerable, okay? And so I want to encourage you, if you're in the middle of a struggle, I would challenge you to look around and reach out to somebody. Who can I talk to? Who can hear the things that I need to say? And then just this concept of dying to self and then living for Christ. Um, and so today, if you need something specific here, I just want to um, encourage you to look around and find somebody who you think you could talk to. Somewhat, there are people around who would pray with you. If you're sitting in the room and you're like, you know, I really think I should go and just reach out to such and such person, I want you to go and reach out to that person, okay? And so um, just, just uh, be challenged by those things and, and open yourself up to what God's asking you to do. Thanks.